It's the bottom line. On News Radio 610, KONA. From the Tri Cities to Olympia to DC, we break down. The stories of the day and the people making the news. And that's the bottom line. Time to get the bottom line. Presented by McCary Meats in Basin City with your hosts, Rob Francis and Ed Dawson. Hour number two, Friday's bottom line underway here on News Radio 610 KONA. Rob Francis, Ed Dawson with you. 547-1610, you would like to get involved. Still to come, of course, the donkey of shame and... There are a number of candidates that would like to ride the mechanical beast today. We're going to have to actually pare down the lists. Uh, But joining us right off the top of the hour is the chair of the Washington State Republican Party, Caleb Heimlich. Good afternoon to you, Caleb. Thanks for your time today. Yeah, good afternoon, guys. Thanks for having me on. So first and foremost, all right, we know that there... um, we we know the elections in 2018 were not very positive, especially uh, in some districts on the west side of the state for the Republican Party. Um, and certainly there has obviously been a call to action uh, inside the party to try and see what can be done to maybe swing a little, that, little bit of that back a seat or two at a time. We know that you have put together, that the state party has put together some uh, some grassroots campaign schools and things like that uh and one of them will be in the tri-cities next weekend that's correct yeah next saturday may 4th from 10 to 2 we're going to be there in the tri-cities if anybody listening would like to come we'd love to have you it's completely free just go to our website that's wsrp.org and click on the link that says grassroots training seminars but so we're Looking back after 2018, we did some things well. We had we got a lot of Republicans to turn out. If you look at certain districts, even in like Kathy McMorris Rogers in the fifth, we had more people vote in 2018 than voted in 2016. So we had more people voting in a midterm than voting in the presidential, which is because we had some enthusiastic volunteers. We had a good candidate. We got people out to vote. But that wasn't the case in certain other districts, and Democrats certainly had some enthusiasm. And so as we look forward to 2020, we've got some ambitious goals. We want to elect a Republican governor for the first time in my lifetime since 1980. We want to gain back some of those seats in the state legislature so taxpayers, so the citizens of Washington state have a voice. And that all starts at the grassroots level. So we're doing dozens of these training seminars across the state. And this one in Tri-Cities, I'm really excited for that. We're going to have a great turnout. It's for anybody. If you've never been involved before, this is for you. If you've been involved, you've helped campaigns, you'll still learn something. As I said, it's free. There will be a lunch. So go on, sign up. It's, it's going to be a great event. We've had a couple of these so far. And it's really, I think, encouraging, one, to know that you're not alone. There's a lot of conservatives here in Washington State. There's a lot of people that want to make a difference. As we've seen with what's going on in Olympia, we need new leadership. We need our state to go in a new direction. And that starts in our community. It starts with each and every one of us getting involved. And so this training is a great way to get your foot in the door, meet some other great people, understand how you can make a difference. Maybe you want to run for office yourself for school board, city council, county commission, anything like that. 
This training will equip you with the ability to make a difference in your community, and we'll talk about how that, all of us together, our goal is to recruit 10,000 volunteers across Washington State committed to making a difference as we head into 2020. And as I said, it all starts by coming to that training. That's next Saturday, May 4th. Go to the website, WSRP.org, and make sure you sign up. We'll look forward to seeing you there. Now, Caleb, you mentioned a couple of uh, a couple of particular offices uh, as you were just speaking. You mentioned school board. You know, city council is a nonpartisan office, but let's face it, when you sit down and you hear a councilman speak for about five minutes, you get an idea of where his ideology is. Which of the races do you think are the most overlooked uh, when it comes to election time? Well, I think those two in particular. I think city council and school boards uh, and then I'd maybe throw in those county commissioner seats as well. But those three kind of local government offices, many times they are nonpartisan, depending on the county. Um, but it's important. And they're making decisions that affect property taxes. They're affecting roads. They are, they're really impacting directly our community. And so it's important that we have good people stepping up and running. And when we do have those people stepping up and running, it's important that we're supporting them. And that's what our hope with these trainings is we'll have good people there that are saying, look, I'm going to run for the Pasco City Council. And it may be somebody you're meeting for the first time, but you can talk to them, understand what their values are, understand what they're trying to do. And then you can support them. So we're getting good people elected in these important positions. And they're going to be making decisions that really have a huge impact on our communities. You know, particularly when you talk about the school board, because if the levy lift happens, which it's a little bit in gray area right now as to if it's going to happen or not, but but there are many that expect that levy lift to happen. It's your school board that's going to determine how much that levy cap is going to go up, and, and the voter will not have an opportunity. So it's extremely important that you pay attention to who's going to be running for your school board. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're talking about massive, potentially massive property tax increases that are going through, and we've got to know who those people are that are going to be making those decisions, and we've got to be having that conversation with them about what's what's important moving forward. We're talking with Caleb Heimlich, the chair of the Washington State Republican Party, here on the bottom line, News Radio 610-KONA. We've heard some names for 2020. We may as well just ask this question now, as far as the governor's race is concerned. You know, our, our governor, Governor Zero Percent, is right now running for president. He hasn't said whether he's going to throw his hat back in. He's left the door open to run for governor for a third term. We know Bob Ferguson is interested. We've heard Dow Constantine is is interested. There have been some names on the Democratic side that have uh, thrown a, a little bit out there, but we haven't really heard much from the Republican side. Um, are there candidates that are out there that may have what it takes to give either Bob Ferguson, which, quite honestly, I would be more afraid to run against than Jay Inslee for a third term after the job he's done. But are there candidates out there on the Republican side that are beginning to uh, test the waters as far as stepping into that race? Yeah, absolutely. We've been having some a few conversations with a few different people down in Olympia that are exploring that interest. I think, as you highlighted perfectly, there's kind of two roads that's going to – it'll be interesting to see what happens based on 
Jay Inslee, as, as we've pointed out, he's costing taxpayers millions of dollars as he's traveling across the country, and so far he's refused to reimburse the taxpayers from his campaign, which is something he absolutely should do. But if he runs for re-election, I think we have a real opportunity because he's had a record of eight years of a complete lack of leadership for our state. He's been getting paid uh, $170,000 to do the job that he's supposed to be doing. But instead of doing that job, he's been traveling to Iowa, New Hampshire, California, et cetera, and not doing that job, not paying attention to the needs of the taxpayers and people of Washington state. And so if he's running for reelection, I think he's very vulnerable and I think we'll have a good shot. And if it's not, if it is Bob Ferguson, Dow Constantine, or Hillary Franz, I think you have three career Democrat politicians, and it's an open seat. And the last two times we've had an open seat, either McKenna v. Inslee in 2012 or Dino Rossi versus Gregoire in 2004, they were very close elections. So I think either way, we've got a chance, and we've been meeting with a couple different people, expressing some interest in looking at it. We're not quite there yet, but I do believe we'll have a strong candidate. But ultimately, it comes back to why these trainings are so important, and that's what we're focused on at the state Republican Party, is we have to build that network and get those activists trained, equipped, connected, so that whoever that candidate is, we have the groundwork in place to get that person elected. We're implementing the same model that the RNC put to work in Michigan and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania to elect President Donald Trump. They started a year and a half before that doing trainings on the ground, getting people involved, and obviously they ended up with a candidate that could connect with the voters. But a lot of what matters is this infrastructure, and we've got to have that network of committed citizens in place to get whoever that candidate is elected. And that's why these trainings are so important. We're talking with Caleb Heimlich, the chair of the Washington State Republican Party here on the bottom line. Although I do have to correct one thing you mentioned. Uh, We did have a Republican governor in your lifetime, twice, a day apart. That was in 2004. That's correct. And that's, that, that even further proves that point, that when we had an open seat, we had Dino Rossi win and then win again, and then they cheated him out of it. But if we have this network in place, we can make a difference and we can get it over the finish line so that it's a recount-proof majority as we need. I want to ask you a little bit about uh, a controversy that's come up uh, over the last week or so, so, and that involves Representative Matt Shea from Spokane. Uh, we know Representative Shea has been a big proponent of the State of Liberty, uh, very conservative representative from the Spokane area, and of course recently some information has come to light uh, regarding uh, comments about surveilling and uh, uh, opponents, particularly uh, political opponents. We know that uh, House Minority Leader J.T. Wilcox has put out a statement. Um, has the party put out a statement on this, or are they going to wait and see what the result of the House investigation is? Yeah, we have not, and ultimately I, I don't have all the facts, and so we're not in that position to cast that judgment. I would certainly say some of those details of committing political violence, I mean, I think that has no place in our community. Um, and so the House leadership has said they're going to investigate and make that determination after a thorough review of the facts, which I think that's important, is that we're evaluating what's there, evaluating the facts, and so we're waiting to see how that how that process plays out. So far, uh, Chairman Heimlich, what is the what is the one thing you've seen in this legislative session that's been the most disappointing thing for you and and for the for your party? 
I think the biggest thing right now that's frustrating the people of Washington State is the complete lack of transparency. And I think what we've seen from the Democrats, I mean, they have the majority in the House and the Senate. They have the governorship. There is no reason whatsoever that they needed to wait three months into the session until two days before it's going to end, and they still haven't released the budget agreement. I mean, this type of secrecy and hiding stuff from the public, hiding the burden of what we're going to have to pay, and we're starting to get kind of pictures as different tax bills come through that they're going to raise taxes on small businesses, they're going to raise the gas tax, they're going to implement some sort of a carbon tax potentially. I mean, all this is on the table. They might still push through a capital gains income tax. They might do the levy lift, which is going to mean higher property taxes for communities across our state. But the fact that they're not allowing an open debate, not having that discussion, having an absolute complete lack of transparency, I think that arrogance and is a disservice to the people of Washington State, and we can and should do better. And so I think that's the biggest disappointment overall. I mean, I think there's a lot of bills that have been pushed through by a Democratic majority that's much more focused on the interests of liberal activists in downtown Seattle than they are in serving the people of Washington state. Uh, but I think this last, what we're seeing this week is kind of the height and the pinnacle of that and just a complete disregard for the citizens of Washington state. Talking with Chairman of the Republican Party, State Republican Party, Caleb Heimlich. One more time, Chairman Heimlich, let us know the information about the uh, Grassroots Campaign School that's coming to the Tri-Cities next weekend. Yes, it's Saturday, May 4th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Anton, our political director, is primarily leading that training and uh, Saturday, next Saturday, a week from tomorrow. If you're interested, this is for everyone, all ages. Um, all types of level of commitment and involvement in the political process. If you've never been involved or been involved before, go to our website, WSRP for Washington State Republican Party, WSRP.org. Click on the link that says Grassroots Trainings. You'll see the one right there that says PASCO. It's totally free. Uh, So we're looking forward to seeing you next Saturday as we all work together Uh, to bring good government back to Washington State, to move our state in a positive direction. Republican State Chair Caleb Heimlich, thank you very much for your time this afternoon, sir. Appreciate you joining us, and good luck uh, with the seminar next weekend. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right, take a quick time out here on the bottom line. News Radio 610 KONA. Washington State Republican Party Chair Caleb Heimlich joining us. WSRP.org if you want to go to the seminar next week. Three guests in less than an hour and a half. We're on a roll, man. Yeah, we, we are. We, uh, you, you think maybe people might know about us now? I don't know. I don't know. Well, none of them said no, so I guess that's a positive. <laughs> Take a time out. Sour brought to you in part by Perfection Tire. Four Tri-Cities locations to serve you. Now back to the bottom line on News Radio 610 KONA. Presented by McCary Meats in Basin City. It's your voice, your show. Call the LegendsCasino.com hotline, 509 547 1610. It's the bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA. You can give us a call, 547 1610, 509 547 1610. Email us too. Go to the website, 610KONA.com. Go to the bottom line page. And send us your question or your comment. Uh, Last uh, segment, Caleb Heimlich, the chairman of the Washington State Republican Party. Um, 
and, and, and you, you touched on it, Rob. I, I found it interesting that, uh, you know, it, that they that the party has already started the process of seeing if there were any GOP candidates interested in running for governor, whomever the Democrats put up, if it's incumbent Jay Inslee or, you know, Bob Ferguson or any Dow Constantine, anybody else. You don't have a lot. More, I mean, there's not much more time to wait. I mean, really, nope. to be able to get in front of it and to establish yourself as a legitimate candidate, you don't you don't have a lot of time really remaining to be able to build that war chest and get out there. What I found interesting was he said that they've been down in Olympia, which tells me that they are scanning the legislative crowd sure. for any potential candidates, which is what we've done on this program, too. I mean, we've been, you know, I, I, we're, we're, I think we're secretly wondering if there's anybody from the east side who's who's I, got a, a shot at it. But, you I'll, know, it I'll could be, be, honest it with could you. be anybody. I, I just found it interesting and. I'm sorry to interrupt. I, no, I, I just found it interesting that going the legislative route where they hadn't done that for a couple of times now, um, maybe that's maybe that's a conscious effort that, you know, maybe they've overlooked in the past or well, maybe I, not. I think one thing to keep in mind, I mean, the last one that ran that was a was in the legislature was was Dino Rossi. That's if right. I remember correctly. That's right. Um, Rob McKenna was attorney general. Yep. Um, Bill Bryant. Bill uh, Bryant was a port commissioner. Port commissioner. Okay. Yep. Now, now, when you take a look at that, okay, the attorney general is a high profile position, um, and he was an active attorney general. I mean, he 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 mm-hmm. had some conflicts with Governor yeah. Gregoire on on yeah. some things. I mean, he was an active attorney general. Yeah. Um, you know. Dino Rossi was a very popular West Side legislator, uh, but but then you get to Bill Bryant, and it's like, who? Yeah. No, no offense, but you know, I mean, he's a port commissioner from King County. Yeah. Uh, huh. So now you're kind of back looking and seeing who could it be, and 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 in all honesty, I don't think we have anybody on the East Side that that at least our area that is that is. Ready for that? I don't. I don't think we have anybody that is, and I don't know that we necessarily have anybody that that wants it. I mean, when you that think could be another it, thing you know, too. Sure. I mean, it's quite a commitment to to to, to, to run for governor. Um, maybe a JT Wilcox is is a possibility. I mean, he's got he's got quite he's the personality. From the west side. He's from the west side, but he's got quite the personality. He's got charisma. He is a farmer. Yeah. You know, so that aspect of of his background will certainly appeal to many on the east side that he understands the the agriculture issues mm-hmm. and he understands the plight that farmers over here on the east side of the state go through with the battles with Olympia because he goes through them himself. I, I think it's I and you hit on something I think that's very important to to find somebody if if it is a JT Wilcox or something like that I think it's important for that whomever they pick to be able to connect with Republicans in Eastern Washington and I don't think that they've done that the the Republican party has done that no. the last few times because they figure ah you know they're all they're all you know red counties over there. We you know we we can bank those counties. So we gotta find somebody you know from Puget Sound, you know where the people are. And, I, and I think he's I think he he 
well, not he, not Caleb Heinlein, but the party has, you know, forgotten to, that they got to reconnect over here, too. I think there was a real shock factor that Rob McKenna didn't win. And I think that that layover really was responsible. I don't think they had recovered by the time they put Bill Bryan up. But I think that there still was a real resonance from Rob McKenna not beating Jay Inslee in 2012. And now it's time to shake it off and and turn around to try and find somebody that can beat him. Can't get in by phone? Give us your bottom line through email. Send your thoughts from the bottom lines page at 610kona.com. Back to the bottom line. Presented by McCary Meats in Basin City on News Radio 610-KONA. This hour brought to you in part by Ben Franklin Transit, connecting our communities. You can visit them at bft.org. Ed Dawson, Rob Francis, The Bottom Line, the area's only live local call-in talk show. And uh, three guests. We've had three guests yep. on this, uh, you know, all on the phone. We appreciate every one of them. Uh, but this last half hour, uh, the only guests that uh, we'll be welcoming in is you. If you would like to give us a call, 547-1610. want to remind you of our poll question. Of all things that concern you about our state legislature, which is the most maddening? You can answer our poll question at bottom line 610 at 610 KONA radio. Uh, it is day two of the NFL draft, so we're going to take our foot off the pedal just a touch here. Okay. Uh, highlight a couple of the things from the draft on day one. Uh, congratulations to um, Andre Dillard. Washington State offensive yeah. lineman, first Northwest player off the board. Yeah. Yesterday went 22nd overall to... A team you're familiar with. Uh, 22nd overall to Philadelphia. He will be the replacement for Jason Peters, or he'll be the new right tackle if they move Lane Johnson over to the left side when Peters retires. He's an absolute beast. Yeah. And interestingly enough, the Seahawks traded out of number 21. To the, with the Green Bay Packers, the Eagles traded up from twenty-five to twenty-two to get Dillard. Yeah, Dillard could have been a Seahawk. He was on the board at twenty-one if they wanted and, him. And we talked about this yesterday as kind of looking at at real needs. Four years, thirty-five million dollars. Boy, it'd be nice to have an offensive tackle. Nice to have a guy on the left side. Yeah, a true, real left tackle to be able to protect that $35 million investment, and they did not decide to go in that direction. Ultimately, they traded twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, they had two They had two first-round picks. Yes. Um, when the dust settled. Uh, yes. You know, one was the part of the Frank Clark uh, trade. Yes, they went back to 29 and 30. Then they traded the 30th pick um, and traded out of the first round, but with the 29th pick, they took L.J. Collier, uh, a defensive end at a TCU, which was an interesting pick. An edge rusher. An edge rusher, a guy who, you know, some had going a little bit lower on the board. Um, but a guy that's got, you know, Pete Carroll and John Schneider have always taken the risk on, on potential upside with a player, especially with the way the defensive scheme runs. So Collier's another one of those guys they believe has tremendous upside. And when he gets into that scheme, people will see uh, just exactly how much of an upside he may potentially have. Uh, a couple of Washington players went as well, um, taken by the Falcons with the 31st pick was Caleb McGarry, uh, the offensive tackle out of Washington. And then the first pick in the second round was Byron Murphy, the corner 
out of University of Washington. So uh, three Northwest players off the board in the first and second round of the NFL draft. Well, the Seahawks had, I say had, past tense, the number five uh, pick in the second round. They traded that to uh, Carolina, moved down 10 spots. So now they're going to pick the 15th uh, selection uh, in the second round. They picked up a third round uh, pick uh, for doing the trade with with Carolina. But, you know, this this is what... John Schneider and Pete Carroll do for better or for worse. This is their mo. They they do trade deals. They they have a they have a clear idea of whom they want to get, and they they bank on the fact that those guys are going to be there uh, later. And and you know they very rarely do they trade up to get anybody. They usually trade back and get the people that they want. Now you can certainly make an argument that. The people that they lock into, um, you know, maybe they have blinders on and that they only see, for example, uh, the the lineman from Washington State uh, was available, a very solid player in a need category for them. Yeah. But they had possibly blinders on for the guy that they really wanted. Uh, who knew, who they knew was going to be there at 29, and sure enough, he was. Well, but here's here's another problem Seahawks are running into. Okay, one, we'll just talk about the division as a whole. The 49ers finished with the with the second worst record in the league, not because they necessarily had a bad team, but because their quarterback broke his leg. Yeah, and they did not have a viable backup at all no. in San Francisco. No, no, no. So they get Dick Bosa to go. What was on an already good defense, and in the top of the second round, they draft Debo Samuel, who is a speedster out of South Carolina. So you give that healthy quarterback another weapon on the outside to throw to. Now what we've had is a run on offensive tackles. Three offensive tackles in the last four picks have gone off the board. Uh, Jacksonville, Carolina, and Buffalo have now all taken offensive tackles. Uh, Tampa Bay, the Raiders, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight picks before you get to Seattle, uh, who moved down all that down that way. And there may not be an offensive tackle worth taking in the second round by the time they get there. And I'm sorry, I I I, I just. There was a three-year run where they nailed a couple of late-round picks, and it was it was hugely successful to winning the Super Bowl and being competitive. But you cannot consistently build a winning team on fifth, sixth, and seventh-round picks. And continuing to trade back, you've got some real skilled players that are coming off the board here. You've got quality offensive linemen that are coming off the board here that you're letting go, and your offensive line, while better, is still not one that I'd call in the top half of the league. That's where I was going to go was yes, and before anybody says, well, the offensive line has been improved, yeah, you went from one of the worst. You went to from a mediocre. garbage. Yeah, you went from a dumpster fire to just a dumpster. To to mediocre at best. Let's go to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Okay, didn't want to hang with us. Five four seven one six ten. Five oh nine five four seven one six ten. And yeah, I mean to think that they are set at offensive line, I think would be uh very short sighted. Uh you know, picking up an edge rusher you know, to to replace some of the things that Frank Clark did. 
okay, uh, that's that wouldn't have been the first place I went to, but it probably would be like second or third. Oh, fine, okay, whatever. What they do with this next pick, I think, will be very interesting. Let's go back to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Go ahead. You're on the you're on the program. Okay, let's try this line. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? All right, apparently uh, everything going all right there? Yeah, I don't know. I hope the guy that walked in the front door isn't working on our phone system. <laughs> you know what? He could be. Who knows? That would that would be awesome. That would that would just be that'd be priceless. Hello? 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 Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, I, I, you know, if you shoot us an email. Yeah. Shoot us an email. We'll definitely get those. Yeah. Uh at 610k18.com. We 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 can give it another shot. Yeah. See if we're uh see if we're we're getting anything here, but uh You're up on the bottom line? No, we'll give it a go. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Uh this is Dick from Kennewick, Washington. Great to hear your voice, Dick. What's yeah, going on? Dick. It's the third call, so I guess maybe it's working well. I get, okay. you, you you broke the jinx. What's up? Well, I, I wanted to distract you from the football. That's the, yeah, that's the worst topic in town. Um, just a little bit of a complaint about your broadcasting, though, and I don't know who it is that's doing it. I should probably pay more Dick, give us. I'll tell you what, Dick, we, we don't talk about that on this program. Uh, give us a call at 547-1618. That's where we handle all kinds of conversation about that. We don't do that on this program. Um, so that's something that, that gets handled we, off we the wanna, air. We want to hear what you have to say. Absolutely. And we definitely want listener input to programming and any other concerns you might have. But this program, yeah, we, we, we tackle topics and yeah, stuff we, like we, that. Yeah, that, that's one we don't tackle on here. But you give us a call at 547-1618. And uh, we will get a hold of someone. will definitely call you back and hear all the concerns that you've got. You're up on the bottom line. News Radio 610 K1A. Your name, where are you calling from? Bud from Richland. What's on your mind? Hey, this, how long do you, do you think we'll have Brown or left tackle now? Isn't he getting kind of long in the tooth? Well, he, he did come over after a couple years with Houston. I mean, he's a solid guy. He did sign a, an extension, so I think he's got another year or two left on that contract. Um, but you're right. I mean, you know, he came over. Uh, he's played well. DJ Fluker has rediscovered himself a little bit after uh, having a little up and down career in uh, San Diego, now Los Angeles with the Chargers. Um, you know, they brought J.R. Sweezy back, but when you still look at how that line is put together, it's, 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 they played better, like we said, but it's still not something that you've got to feel comfortable with going in just putting Russell Wilson, uh, on paper for $35 million a year. And look, there is no quality backup there. I mean, Brett Hundley's a nice player, but do you think Brett Hundley? is going to be able to do what Russell Wilson does behind center. And that's why I'm just so mystified that offensive tackle was not a priority in this draft. Let's go back to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? All right, give us a call well, back. Thanks for the call, thanks for the call bud. We appreciate it. Five four seven one six ten. You want to get involved, so you know we're keeping an eye on on what's going on with the draft uh, in round number two. Here, of course, it's kind of it, like we said yesterday. There are sports out there that wish they had this kind of attention paid during their regular seasons and playoffs to what the NFL draft gets. I mean, you should have seen the picture yesterday that they showed the streets just 
flooded with people. It was insane. You're up on the bottom line, News Radio 610 K. Your name, where are you calling from? Hey, it's Jim from Washington. What's going on, Jim? Not much. Uh, yeah, I was following the draft last night, and it just totally confused me with the way Seattle's doing it. I realize everybody thinks that John Snyder is some kind of draft guru, but he's really not. He hasn't had any real hits since the Russell uh, Wilson draft. Um, you know, and they need a wide receiver because Baldwin's got to have more surgeries. They need something on the offensive line. They needed an edge rusher, but if they were going to get an edge rusher, they could have got a better one with the 21st pick than what they got with the uh, 29th pick. Agreed. You're Appreciate absolutely right. Yeah, it's, you know, look, I have a running joke, and I need to preface this again. I'm a lifelong Seahawks fan. But I, the last couple of years have been head-scratchers for me. It's been very frustrating. And, and yeah, I'm incredibly grateful that they won a Super Bowl and, and practically won a second one. But that only, that only raised the expectations of the fans that, okay, now we expect the Seahawks to be legitimate contenders for at least a division title, okay? Uh, and they were for a while last year. Um, and you know the Rams are too good, but here's the point. And this is this is a running joke of mine. You can't trade back every single pick, Seahawks. Oh no, and they're so proving that they they, <laughs> they 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 are going to try. And you know, I, I think their actual goal is to be able to draft every single selection in the seventh round. And no other team has a seventh-round pick. That way you get all these diamonds in the rough. You can pay them on the cheap. And 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 Pete Carroll will talk glowingly about them and, and their heart and, and all this stuff. And they'll be mired in mediocrity some more. Let's go back to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Rob and Ed, it's Mike. What's up, man? Mike. Hey, before I got back into education, I climbed the ladder pretty good in the baseball world and one of the things that I found out when you finally get in on the inner side is the organization has a plan that they don't share with anybody so they got a plan the Seapukes but they're not going to tell you what it is what it looks to me like is that they're stockpiling picks because they're trying to rebuild at some point, um, whatever they think they're lacking. And if you judge it from that, they're doing a pretty good job of stockpiling picks, but um, you pay a guy $65 bucks, you kind of like to win now. Hey, no, you're dead on, Mike. And here's the other thing, though. You can have all the picks in the world you want. If you don't use them intelligently, they don't matter. Okay, you can have you can have ten picks five through seven. If you don't hit on at least one of those picks, doesn't matter. Especially in the late rounds, you have that many. You're thinking you might hit on a third of them. Okay, two or three. Because sure. look, seventh round guys, they're one you know they're one phone call away from being an undrafted free agent. That's right. So you're not talking about a huge amount of difference here, but you are talking about a huge drop off when you go from round three to round five. Yep. On, on the quality of the player. And you're trying to compete for spots with guys who are already there. So the further down you go, 
the less likelihood you have of being able to find guys that are going to be on your roster for more than two or three years. If you want to recycle through that way, you're never going to build a consistent winner. And again, we go back in those three years that the Seahawks had between 2010, the, the 10, the 11, the 12 drafts, and you're not going to find anything like that comparable for any team probably in the last 10 years. However, as much luck came with it, and that same strategy doesn't always work. Join the show. Call the LegendsCasino.com hotline, 509-547-1610. Back to the bottom line with Robin Ed, presented by McCary Meats in Basin City on News Radio 610, KONA. This hour brought to you in part by the Kitchen Creators at Bunch Finnegan, making your dream kitchen come true. 9 East Columbia Drive in Kennewick. Got a quick email from Joe in West Richland. Said, one thing I don't understand is that Seattle had the highest paid offensive line every year we went to the Super Bowl. Now we've got the lowest in the NFL. When will Seattle realize our quarterback is not as good when you don't have the line to protect him? Give the money to the line instead of Wilson. No, no? quarterback is as good as... That's right. And, you know, if they don't have a good offensive line, why has Tom Brady been so successful? They've kept a lot of those guys intact uh, for long stretches of time. Anyway. Time for the donkey of shame, and yes. today I'm going to Ed's home country of Canada. What? That's right. Oh, Canada. How dare you, sir? Oh, Canada. Uh, Justice Francesca Marzari of the Supreme Court of British Columbia, Canada, is riding on the donkey of shame this week because she declared a father guilty of family violence against his 14-year-old daughter. Now, you're thinking to yourself, Rob, how could you possibly put a judge on the donkey of shame for making that judgment? Well, here's the thing. It's because he referred to his daughter as a girl in public. What? Yeah. See, his 14-year-old daughter apparently, without parental consent, went to a clinic and received testosterone injections. He being that she was a minor, strongly objected to it, sought to reverse the decision in the Court of Appeal, and hoping to raise awareness, he gave interviews in the media. Now, in the interviews, he referred to his daughter as a girl, saying her DNA will not change through all the experiments that they do. Apparently, the judge, instead of taking it as an honest statement, took it as a prime example of Clark's family violence of a public denial of the child's gender identity she issued a protection order preventing him from speaking to journalists or the public about the case wow yeah because he referred to his daughter as a girl in public he was found guilty of family violence francesca marzani justice of the supreme court of british columbia you're on the donkey of shame uh we're and gonna... it knows its gender <laughs> we're gonna need uh the Super industrial strength, uh, donkey of shame for for my selections this week. And it is all of the Democratic leadership in the House and the Senate in Olympia. Uh, The donkey may refuse. You know, and and it's actually not so much because of the horrible taxes that they're about to pass. That's bad enough. But how many times... How long are Washingtonians going to put up with this non-transparency in the legislature? How long are you just going to sit back and let lawmakers do whatever the heck they want, and we just sit back and go, uh-huh, uh-huh? 
pretty soon we're going to need to make the donkey of shame seat all Washingtonians if we don't get off off of our backsides and say enough is enough. To the Democratic leaders who are negotiating behind closed doors and playing these games with the budget over the weekend when no one's paying attention, running title-only bills to get what they want passed, and quite possibly breaking the state law with an income tax, you all ride the donkey of shame. Afternoon Report, next. Next.